I feel like I can't move away from it. Just the, this idea of I lay every burden down at the foot of the cross is just still, uh, still stuck in me. So before I, before I share what I want to share this morning, I just want to reflect just in a moment for a moment on that idea because I've been considering Jesus. It's not where we're going this week, but I've been considering uh, Jesus as teacher. Uh, and uh, those that had gathered around him called him rabbi and and what I love about Jesus is he was completely different to every other teacher he was completely different to every other rabbi the rabbis that that were apprenticing young uh, young Jewish boys um, these Jewish boys would have followed them did everything that they did but the burden on them was so heavy all that they had to do everything that they had to do to earn the favor to appease the rabbi was burdensome. And whenever we look at Jesus, we see Jesus was the completely the opposite. Which is why he said in Matthew chapter 11, my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I'm different from every one of these other rabbis. They're making it really difficult for you to enter the kingdom, but Jesus' burden is, is light. His yoke is easy. And I'm reflecting on that this morning because I'm, if you're coming to gathered worship here this morning and you feel that it's a burden you're feeling burdened i want you to know that it's not of jesus it's it's not from him it's not of him and um and so if it feels burdensome that is that is not of jesus and so as we continue to pursue him and follow him and enter into the his way i want to remind you that find rest for your soul because his yoke is easy and his burden is light this morning I, I just I suppose I wanted to come off the back of what Neville was sharing with us last Sunday morning uh, and uh, there was one one particular question one particular thought that just provoked me for the rest of the week and um and, and I just I suppose just want you to enter into my thinking and I want to uh, provoke you to, to think around this question one more time what changes do we need to make? What changes do you need to make so that we get to the end of the race? Neville brought us to Hebrews 12, the first couple of verses of Hebrews 12 last Sunday. And I, it was great. I thought it was an incredible job that Nav did last Sunday morning. And um, reminded us in the middle of what he was sharing, he reminded us that we are not alone. There's a cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on. We're not alone. And he also reminded us through the writer of the Hebrews, uh, be careful what you carry. I suppose that touches a wee bit to what I've just mentioned there. Briefly, be careful what you carry. Be careful of the load and the burden that you're carrying because it can so easily trip you up. It can so easily entangle. It can so easily consume and get in the way of the race that is marked out before you. And, and so I've just continued to think about that question. I've continued to think what changes are needed to make. What changes do I need to make so that I can get to the end? And not just get to the end, but that I finish well. What changes have I, be, have I begun to make? What changes are essential, necessary, begun to implement that are going to help me finish well? There's a few things that I have thought about this week that I'd love to share with you. And maybe some of them will be helpful. Maybe some of them you'll disagree with. 
Maybe some of them, you'll, uh, it's not where you're at. But I, my intention, my hope, is that, that this question would continue to open up a conversation around our dinner tables, around a cup of coffee or whatever. Paul, writing to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 9, says to run in such a way in order to get a prize. Run in such a way to get a prize. And I am not 100% sure. I don't know if anybody if anybody knows what, exactly what that prize is. Um, put your hand up and shout out. I don't know if I know exactly what the prize is, but I am pretty sure whatever the prize is, it's going to be based on how we have loved God and how we have loved others. It sounds incredibly simple and incredibly basic, but I think in order to make it to the end and finish well, in order and, and run this race, in order to get the prize, it's going to be based on how we have laid our lives down for Jesus, how we've laid our lives down for the kingdom, how we've laid our lives down for one another. And I know within the, the few of us that are here this morning, and maybe even those watching, we all have our we all have our leanings toward a certain maybe denomination or we all have our preferences. There's like we can't doubt that, we can't deny that. I find it really hard to enter into robust conversation without people being willing to acknowledge that you are entering into it with your own bias. We're all entering into it with our own preferences. But it's not going to be based. Winning the prize, whatever the prize is, it's not going to be based on your knowledge. It's not going to be based on whether you on, on what you know. It's not going to be based on whether you were right or not. I don't think, I'm pretty sure that the prize is not going to be based on any of those things. It's going to be based on how you've loved God and how you've loved others. It's going to be based on how you have loved. And so what changes do I need to make? What changes do you need to make in order to make it to the end? In order to finish well? In order to run in such a way to get the prize. Um, Neville came up last week with his uh, marathon medal in his back pocket. And um, I got very nostalgic last week as I, sit, as I was sitting there and thinking back to my sports days. And um, I was going to bring my medals and trophies, but I didn't have enough room in the car to bring them this morning. Um, as I reflected back, maybe feeling very nostalgic. And it's been really a, part of the challenges that um, uh, a coach helped David with the under 13s. And, uh, and so all that they have ever known me is to be this shape. They've never known me any other way. And so whenever I try to tell them that I used to be fast, used to be a, I used to be an athlete, I used to be a sportsman, like they just refuse to believe me. And so part of me is just like, just going to, at the risk of like being self-indulgent. In, like in, in sports, there is still some part of me thinks that I can do what I used to do. And so we, you, you get a group of men or a group of boys together. The testosterone increases, and the ball is is put out into the middle of the field. And I still think that I can do what I used to be able to do. Caleb started to uh, Caleb started to play rugby, and I'm, and he's like, I'm already thinking he's going to be able to take me down. No time, I th because I still think I can like get down and wrestled and grappled the way that he used to and I can't and so you can blame age and injuries and all of that sort of stuff 
But if I go out onto that sports field with other men and young fellas, if I don't make the necessary changes, it's going to lead to burnout, or it's going to lead to injury, or most likely, most inevitably, it's going to lead to embarrassment. And uh, and there's a part of the pride that the pride that still is in me is uh, cannot bear the thought of not being able to do what I used to. But if I want to finish well, if I want to finish the game well, like this these, this analogy is not going to work perfect. I don't want to try and squeeze it too hard. But um, if I don't if I don't make those changes, it's gonna it's gonna lead to not finishing well. It's going to lead to possibly not even getting to the end of the game. And so for me, as I as I continue to um, consider, continue to think through the changes that are necessary, I'm so conscious of the need for humility. And so I think humility sort of overarches the three areas that I want to talk about this morning. Humility is needed to make changes. Humility is needed to be able to say, whether it's in the sports field or whether it's in this journey of faith, to be able to say, do you know what? I I was wrong. I got that wrong. Whether it was a denominational leaning or a or a or a preference or a bias or whatever it was, being able to say, you know what, I got it wrong. I've got this wrong. Humility is needed to be able to say, I need some help. Humility is needed to be able to say, I think this journey of life, I think this journey of pursuing God in love and in loving one another's loving one another, I need to listen to other voices that requires humility. And so whenever we're talking about change here, I'm not talking about change just for the sake of change's sake. We live in, I think we live in a culture where we could end up changing, changing our minds or changing our practices or changing our habits because of what's going on around us, because of the cultural climate. But we're not talking about that I'm not talking about changing just for change's sake, but I'm talking about changes that are needed to finish well, changes that are needed to help me or you to love God and to love others. And so these three areas of change are, maybe even if you're reluctant to call it change, but even areas of intentional attention, the three areas that I want to talk about for the few minutes that we have left this morning. I'll just tell you the three areas. The three areas are contemplation, compassion, and curiosity. And um, three C's. I promise I didn't do it intentionally on purpose, but it, uh, well, I had two C's and then I thought, what could I get? Where could I find another C here? So I shoved compassion in the middle. You couldn't have two C's, you need three. So com- contemplative, compassion, and curiosity. And so as I share these things, hear me, this is like, this is my, this is my story. This is uh, sharing some of the things that I find necessary in order to finish well, in order to, to tweak so that I get to the end. And so you don't have to, don't feel bound to agree with these. Don't feel bound 
to to implement them yourselves because it's maybe not where you're at and so don't feel any pressure there but as i said at the beginning my hope is that it opens a conversation that we would begin to ask honestly about areas of change or intentional attention that need to be given to our lives and so for a moment contemplation contemplation is something that emphasizes uh, the attention and the awareness of god i think also of self it emphasizes the attention on our on our self-awareness but more importantly more significantly it emphasizes uh, god awareness it emphasizes the need to pay close attention and so i don't know what your what your upbringing has been like i don't know where what your not everybody knows some of you your what your church upbringing has been for me if you're anything like me if your upbringing was anything like mine my understanding was that faith is all about activity faith is this journey of faith it's all about action it's all about what we are doing and so it's not to say that any of that is not important that's that's not what i'm saying but i think we need to get to this place where it is equally as important who we are becoming as what it is that we are doing and so faith is not all about activity action and what we are doing but it is equally about what who we are becoming and i know for me like i so this is this is where it maybe feels a bit personal but i hope you can still this is still helpful i just know for me i'll not finish well if i don't make some changes here because when it's all about activity when it's all about keeping on doing when it's all about action and go i'll like i'm not like i'm not being over dramatic by saying i'll not make it to the to the end physically but there's be a part of me that will just be will just like come to the end like slumping dragging my body with me and um and i don't want that to be the case what i'm discovering is this this contemplative tradition or this con this idea of comp contemplation is a lot dif more difficult than it sounds see an awareness of god's presence does not just emerge out of thin air i believe that it takes um it requires effort and it requires practice and it's why i love and i once again commend to you brother lawrence's small book practicing the presence of god for him it didn't just emerge out of thin air for many of the contemplatives it never just emerged out of thin air it required effort and practice it required paying close attention for the last couple of years some of you will know that um because i maybe i maybe share some of the devotionals with you but the last couple of years of every morning i start off my day with a devotional by a guy called richard Rohr. and richard Rohr, two or three decades ago began uh, a ministry called the center for contemplation and action and i love what he says when he talks about how this was this was founded he says the most important word in their in their title is not center it's not contemplation and it's not action but it's the word and for him he realizing that this journey of faith of following jesus is about contemplation and action and and is the most important word in their title and so for them it's been it's been really helpful because their whole idea every devotional brings us to that place of prayerfully letting go of our sense of control 
and choosing to cooperate with God and God's work in the world. And that's become really important for me. That's one of the changes that I've needed to, to make to begin my day with prayerfully letting go of my sense of control and to choose. And it is, it's a daily choice. It's a, it's a conscious choice. It's an effort. It's a practice to choose to cooperate with God and what he is doing in the world. There's a story that I, uh, there's a story that I read this week. Um, it's part of a, of a speech that a guy, David Foster Wallace, gave uh, five or six, no, I can't even remember, 2014, I think it maybe was. Not important. Um, it's a 22-minute speech, and I would recommend it to you. It's become, it's become quite well known. It's called This Is Water. Uh, but in the, middle of, in the middle of his speech, he shares this story, which I th- found would be quite helpful. Uh, it was helpful for me to to consider this idea of contemplation, but also I think it leads into the, the changes that are needed for me when it comes to compassion. As we maybe touched on this sort of idea before, but David Foster Wallace talked about uh, the frustration and the, and the anger and all of those emotions whenever he's standing in a queue waiting to get his groceries or whatever, whatever it was that he was that he was referring to, he, he talked about everyone else is just in the way. He goes on to talk about how he's worked really hard all day. He's, he's worked hard and he's starving and he's tired and he can't even get home to eat and unwind because of all of these stupid people. And if we're being honest, I'm sure that some of us can maybe sympathize with some of those those moments but actually this is what he's saying if we would pay attention what could happen if we pay attention this is what he says if I can just quote him I can choose to force myself to consider the likelihood that everyone else in the supermarket's checkout line is just as bored and frustrated as I am and that some of these people actually have more much harder more tedious or painful lives than I do it's hard it takes will and effort. But if you really learn how to pay attention, it will actually be within your power to experience a crowded, hot, slow, consumer hell type situation as not only meaningful, but sacred. On fire with the same force that lit the stars. Compassion, love, the subsurface unity of all things. There's something about that I just like. I'm just fascinated by the language. It's that that one of these moments, and these moments are always available to us. I think if we stop and pay attention and lean in to what is going on, and his language here, it's not only meaningful, but it's sacred. It's on fire with the same force that lit the stars. And so, as I consider this idea of of compassion. I know it for me, that's whenever the alarm bells go off for me. There are those moments where if my reaction or, or my feeling towards people that either around me or within the community, if my feeling towards them or towards those that I come in contact with is not from a place of compassion, I know that's something I need to make changes here. 
Because whatever the prize is, I know for sure, I feel like I can be certain that it's going to be based on how I love God and how I love others. And if my reaction, if my thought, if my energy is based on judgmental feelings of unhelpful thoughts, I know that changes need to be made. And again, it's not just going to happen. It's not a, it's not a switch. I know that for sure. It's not just going to happen. It requires intention and it requires practice. And again, it's maybe some stuff that you've heard us say before, but the reality is that anybody that I am in contact with this morning or outside the walls, or outside the walls of this place, there are a couple of things that we can know for sure. We don't know what is going on behind people's closed doors. We don't know their backstory. We don't know their prequel. But there's two things that we know for certain is that they're made, one, they're made in the image of God. And secondly, is that the only judgment that you can have for certain that you know without doubt is that they were worth Jesus giving his life for. And so they're the two, they're the two pieces of judgment that you can enter into every conversation, situation, encounter with somebody that you meet. They're made in the image of God that they were worth Jesus giving his life for. And I know for me, if that's not what I see, if that's not my thought, if that's not where my mind goes, I need to make changes. I need to make changes in how I think. I need to make changes in what I contemplate on, where I give my attention. And, uh, and I think it's become really important for me. Because my default is not, is not like that at all. The final, the final one, last few moments, the final, the final one that I wanted to discuss, open up for conversation, was this idea of curiosity. And a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I wasn't really thinking about this until this morning, but two weeks ago we talked a wee bit about uh, recapturing or being recaptivated once again by, by the story of Jesus, by the person of Jesus. And so I suppose curiosity is related to wonder. There is something... There is something childlike about curiosity. And remember, we shared this verse. We shared Matthew 18 a couple of weeks ago that Jesus said to the disciples, unless you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom. He used a child as a teaching, as a, as a moment of teaching often. He said, guys, don't forget this. Unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom. And so what curiosity looks like in our house and anybody that has small children, what curiosity looks like is the question um, is being asked why like all of the time. That's what curiosity looks like. And maybe it can, it can create, maybe it can get annoying at times, but it's, but it's curiosity. It's this childlike wonder that wants to just know why you are doing that. Why are you sitting there? Why did you put that spoon in that drawer? What, like just why for everything? And, but there's been something about that and I don't know if that's what I sound like when I approach God. Thankfully, I don't think I, I frustrate him with my questioning. 
But for me, part of my story is that, that I feel like I never asked, I never really asked why until two or three years ago. I feel like I, just, like, I was just accepting the script that was being handed. And it's not that, I'm not saying that the script was bad or anything like that, but I never asked why. There was never the childlike wonder that came alive in me. There was never the curiosity that wanted to know why. That read through the first 11 chapters of Genesis and ask why. I felt like I can't, can't ask why. That would be doubting. That would be questioning the very root of our faith if it was to ask why, and so I didn't. But for me, my story, where I'm at, for my journey of following Jesus, I've discovered that I, if I'm going to finish well, if I'm going to make it wholeheartedly to the end, I, I need the gift of curiosity. I need the freedom to be able to ask why loads. And I think, I think Jesus gives us that. I think the Psalms remind us of that. David, uh, just in case nobody likes it, I'll blame David. David got me on the Ted Lasso. And um, it's, uh, it's really fun, really good fun. I've really enjoyed it. But I was struck a couple of weeks, or a few weeks ago, when I watched uh, a particular episode. And Ted Lasso quotes Walt Whitman. Talks about being out in the car with his wee boy and graffitied on the wall. Um, was this quote from Walt Whitman, be curious, not judgmental. And then Ted Lasso goes on to tell a story about when he was growing up. Grown up, when he was growing up, he was misunderstood by his peers. Nobody got him. Uh, he was the butt of their jokes, all of that. They didn't get him. And Ted Lasso's summary of these guys, based on this quote, was that they thought they had everything figured out. And, but all they did was judge everything and judge everyone. There's something about that that, like, I didn't feel condemned by it, but whenever I heard that, genuinely, I thought, actually, that's, that sounds like me. A number of years ago, whenever, it, whenever I was maybe in conversations around faith, in conversations of where people are at in their journey of discovering or understanding or who God is or what is he like. And because I thought I thought I had everything figured out and every doctrine, every doctrine's I dotted and it's T crossed and felt like I'd figured things out. And But all I did was judge everything and judge everyone. And if Taylor so finishes the, his telling of this story and says if they were if they were curious, they would have asked more questions. That's what a lack of curiosity looks like for me. Looks like in my life, is that without a lack of curiosity, I won't listen. I won't listen to an alternative point of view. I won't listen to an alternative story. I struggle to listen to stuff that I don't agree with. And that lack of curiosity becomes really restrictive in how I love other people well. And if I'm not loving other people well, I can't be saying, if I'm not loving those people that I can see well, as First John says, how can I be saying that I love God well who I can't see? Lack of curiosity means that we just won't ask questions. 
And what I love and what I forgot that I had done a couple of years ago was go through the book of Luke. And uh, since we discovered it's all tasty and now, but that is 70 times in the book of Luke where Jesus asks, quest- asks a question. And you read through the book of Luke, I find myself reading through some of those questions that Jesus asked and be like, Jesus, you're just answering a question with a question. How frustrating would that be? Really wanting to, to discover the pearls of wisdom and all of that, and Jesus asks a question with a, another question. Like 70 times. In 24 chapters, Jesus is asking a question. I love that. I think when we have a lack of curiosity, we just remain, we're just on the defense. We're just on defensive mode all of the time. And it's not helpful, and it's, and for me anyway, it's not healthy. That's why I know it maybe even with this idea of curiosity, it maybe provokes more questions in, in you than it does provide answers, and I, and I say amen to that, I hope so. I've been listening to a podcast over the last number of months called Learning How to See. As I finish off here, I've just been challenged that we must never presume that we, that we see. With Paul, Paul isn't it that talks about seeing, seeing through, through a glass dimly. We don't see everything. We must not presume that we see. And this is what this is the introduction to the podcast. Um, I need to really engage here. Sounds a bit Irish. We don't see. We don't see how much we don't see, and we don't even know how much we don't know. Nor do we know how much of what we know is impartial or distorted or false. We don't even know how much we don't know. That's so the idea of the podcast is that we they're challenging the challenge to people, the followers of Jesus, is that we would seek to open our eyes in humility to we would seek to open our eyes in humility and in fresh wonder and so this verse um, that I finish with has become the place that I've went to honestly over and over again this week 1 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 2 and Paul says we know that we all possess knowledge but knowledge puffs up and love builds up and verse 2 says the man who thinks he knows something does not yet know as he ought to know. And so every time you think that you've got it worked out, you've it all figured out, you know it all, Paul is saying you still don't. You still need to discover. You still need to keep your eyes open. You still need to enter into conversations with ears that are open. You still need to come with humility. The message version says that... um, Humble hearts can help us more than our proud minds. And so there's three areas for me. I, I, I just felt like this week, I couldn't get, get away from that question that Nev posed last week. 
What changes do you need to make? And so I hope it doesn't feel self-indulgent that I'm just letting you know the three areas for me. I'm hoping that it opens up a conversation and maybe some of the th- one of the three areas that I've talked about would maybe be helpful for you. But as I say, my hope more than anything is that it would open up a conversation that we would be continuing to ask those questions over the next number of weeks. What changes do I need to make? What changes have I made? And do I need to continue to make in order to finish well, in order to get to the end? And um, so, Father, I thank you for... I thank you for uh, Jesus, and I thank you for how Jesus... um, it feels like Jesus is leading the way in every in all three of these areas that we've talked about this morning. Thank you for the way of Jesus as he contemplated, as he paid attention to what you were doing, Father. As he didn't do or say anything that he hadn't first of all heard from you. Thank you for Jesus' willingness and his example of stopping and paying attention. Thank you for his his example in compassion. Thank you even when those who were caused Jesus to cry out, woe to you, woe to you. His heart was to, to gather them as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Such was his compassion, even to those who were far from him. His heart of compassion on the cross is, he asked you, Father, that you would forgive those because they didn't know what they were doing. Thank you for how he continued to look out at the crowds who were hopeless and harassed, and he was moved, deeply moved with compassion. Thank you for Jesus for the example you give even in asking questions. Curious and in, in getting to the root of who we are, getting to the root of what it is that we desire. And so Father, I just pray that you would help us, would you encourage us, help us to be bold and courageous as we ask this question. It's a bold question to ask. What changes do we need to make in order to get to the end? And so, Holy Spirit, would you empower us and help us and uh, let us hear you, let us keep close to you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. amen. Thanks, everyone. Uh, really quickly, love you to put a date in your diary. Um, I know that uh, our plans over the summer are, are more relaxed than, than normal um, but on the 1st of August we'd love you to put this date in your diary on the 1st of August we're going to uh, after church we're going to make our way to Loch Gall, Francis and Jim's house uh, so we're incredibly grateful that they've uh, opened up their home for us um, so we're going to we're going to we're going to make our way there on the 1st of August Do, Jim, does it count can we still come even if we're cheering England tonight is that is that a deal breaker or are we all right? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so Saturday the 1st of August and uh, as David has said, David's with us next Sunday. Next Sunday he's going to be speaking to us. Um, 
there was any conversation, if there's anything that's sort of stirred or opened up or whatever today, please please get in touch. Let's um, let's get a coffee or, or do whatever we need to encourage each other and help each other work this all out together. All right? Have a good day.